Welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith, founder and president of the WealthCare Investment Center. Each week, we discuss strategies to help you preserve, protect, and enhance your wealth because saving for retirement is just the beginning. We've developed an innovative approach to retirement wealth and tax management, powerful strategies to help you get the most from your nest egg and help you live the retirement you want and deserve. Have a question for the team? Connect with us at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Or call 888-888-5601. 888-888-5601. Get More Retirement starts now. Hello and welcome to Get More Retirement with WealthCare's Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. Coming up today, Social Security Overpaid. Now the SSA wants its money back. What if Social Security really did run out of money? How much more would you have to save to make up for it? Is the banking industry quietly preparing for recession? And we'll examine some retirement blind spots, some things you may not have planned for. Hello, Bruce. Hello, hello, Cheryl, and hello to our wonderful listeners. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that Charmin heard you. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> oh, I know this story. Oh, dear God. Well, Charmin said they heard so much from their customers about not being able to tear the bathroom tissue smoothly from the roll that they spent five years in research, and they've come up with the smooth tear system. It's brand new. It's innovative. It's future. Now, we talked about the AI and the AI-flavored Coca-Cola, and I did mm-hmm. get one, and mm-hmm. I did try it, and we did report on that. I'm not going to be reporting on this one in the future. I can tell you that. Okay, That's I it. will. I raise my hand. I'll try it. It took five years of, of research yes. to, re- to do this. You know, I mean, it was intense. You know, I wanted to be in those meetings where it's like, you know, and Charlie, how are we making out on the quick tear of Charmin? <laughs> well, you know, we're making some progress, but we need another $100,000 to the budget. You know, just, oh, dear God. Well, it's wavy, is, you know, so I'm sure they had to carefully determine, uh, you know, the amplitude of the wave, you know, yeah, so they get it exactly without, right. without Without sharp points. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Listen, it's not easy. You laugh, I, but it's not easy. No, oh, come they, on. It's, just, <laughs> it's really funny because I don't know how many other households go through this, but, you know, it's like, I want the good stuff. And, you know, you, you go to a mall or, or wherever and they have, you know, as a buddy of mine says, he says that he's a toilet paper is so thin it only has one side, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and to me, you know, mathematically, because I'm a math head, it's like it probably takes four times as much of that to do as the two-ply, mm-hmm. you know? So wouldn't the two-ply be smarter to put in those dispensers? But, eh, you know, who knows? God, and heaven forbid if you have an RV. I, I've used RV toilet paper, so yeah. Yeah, well, full disclosure, I've never had a problem with a smooth tear. So, you know, yeah. I me either. I just I, I, I don't I, know who thought that was yeah. a major issue, but it's fixed. So if you did, no problem anymore. Well, we have filled this spot of the show. So <laughs> yes, all right. moving that's, on. that's moving on. Okay. Yes. Well, I wanted to talk about the Social Security Administration. We learned recently that apparently, Bruce, they sent out billions of dollars in overpayments. <laughs> and this is over the last couple of decades, I guess. But Mm-hmm. This was their fault. I mean, they, there was a, an issue. They sent out the money, but that money's been spent. And now apparently yep. they are trying to, and I learned a new phrase, claw back. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. On that. What do you think about that? Here's the thing. They are equipped, well-equipped to do that because if you take Social Security while you're still working, you know, and you hear people talk about how much can I earn before, and they get it wrong. They say, how much can I earn before I get taxed on Social Security? No, it's not that. It's how much can you earn before Social Security will claw back. So if you're not of full retirement age, and for most people now, that's like 66 in two months. If you say, I'm working, but at 64, I'm going to start taking my Social Security or even 62, you may take it and they will give it to you. But then at the end of the year, they say, oh, you made more than the allowable. You made $40,000 and you're allowed, I think, 20-something is the max right now for a joint couple. So they will claw back. So in the next year, they will take back. They'll actually cut down what they're giving you to get back that money that that uh, was excess mm-hmm. the way that they determined. So they, the system's in place. So here – all they're doing is saying, oops, hey, we had a mistake. We paid out too much money, so we're going to reduce that future benefit. And it's just going to piss a lot of people off. So you say the system is working well. The system is in place. Mm-hmm. So my concern, that's good to hear because my concern was, does this play into 
the fact that we're looking at a shortfall coming up. A shortfall is a different animal. That, that, that essentially says, look, we have X amount of money in the pot of in our pot of gold and we're dispersing gold, you know, so we're going to run out of gold at some point. So we're going to have to reduce the gold we're giving you. That's the payout side of the house saying, OK, we're going to have to reduce that number, you know, across the board. Well, that makes so much sense. So I'm glad you straightened that out. It made me also wonder, Bruce, what about elimination of Social Security? I mean, what if that actually did happen or even if benefits were reduced significantly? How much more would we really have to save to cover? that loss of income. Now, we talk a lot about trying to plan for social uh, retirement rather and mm-hmm. not factor in Social Security so that you're not dependent upon it. But it is an income stream. Oh, it absolutely is. And it adds up. So here's the thing. If you've got a husband and wife, and let's say that between them, they're getting $3,000 a month. So that's $36,000 a year. All right. And if they retire Let's say they, they're going to draw their Social Security at 65 because they're eligible to, thank God. That'd be nice. If they do that for 25 years, that's a $900,000 income. That's almost a million dollars that they're getting that's not from their retirement estate, not from their retirement savings. If you think about it, and, and you know, we've seen this quite a bit over the last almost decade now, you hear all these financial advisors hawking on the radio, hawking on TV, hawking through the mail, having seminars, you know, I will show you how to maximize your lifetime Social Security benefits. Come see me and I'll show you how to get every dime you deserve out of Social Security. You know, and that, that's kind of their ad. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that they run one of these five-minute computer proposals and it says, you know, okay, if you use this claiming structure, and we get this question a lot from people, you know, what should I be doing to claim my Social Security with the intent of I want to maximize my benefits? And I look people right in the eye, you know, and I've said it before on the show, is, you know, I can tell you how to get every possible nickel that's available to you from Social Security. I can, the exact way to take your strategy, I just need each of you, it takes less than five minutes, I just need each of you to give me one piece of information. Just tell me the date that you're going to die. You know, and they look at me and I say, because it's a mathematical calculation and it's predicated upon an assumption of knowing when you're going to die. So whether you take it at full retirement age, whether you take it at 62, whether you take it at 70 or or any points in between, they have these ideas of maximizing Social Security. It's one of the few places in comprehensive retirement planning that we do it differently and we talk about it differently and we tell people we never look at Social Security by itself. There's one of the other major flaws of, of most retirement plans is that some people will come in and say, I want to make as much as I can on my investments, regardless of risk. You have people that will come in and say, I don't care how much I make on my investments. I want to be as risk averse or risk free as possible. Uh, well, people that come in and say, I want to minimize my RMDs over my lifetime. People come in and say, I want to reduce my taxes over my lifetime. People come in and say, I want to get everything that I can get out of Social Security. It's most financial advisors are more than glad to focus on that because they have illustrated what we call a pain point. Let's attack the pain point, make them feel good, and they'll become a client. The fact is, though, if your goal is to maximize your retirement, Social Security should never be looked at as a standalone proposition. It should be being ingrained with your total income plan. In other words, you know, what is the income I need for the lifestyle I need and will need throughout retirement, including inflation, And then where will I get it? What will be the source of it? And what is the best strategy to have that amount of income each year? So every year that you delay getting Social Security, then you're probably tapping into a taxable nest egg, whether it be your IRA, your 401k, your what have you. So you're dragging down the wealth that you've accumulated in order to get that higher future income stream by delaying Social Security. Not only have you got the income you needed, you had to pay taxes. So you're drawing down Mm -hmm. quickly on these reserves that you've built up so you can get that higher future income. If you take Social Security, you say, okay, well, I get that now. So then I don't have to take as much out of my nest egg. So what's the right coordinated effort of when you should do it? But then in addition, Social Security for many years was not taxable. Then uh, I believe it was 84, they passed where we can tax up to 50% of your social security. Then they upped it again during the Bush administration and said, you can tax up to 85% of what you're getting social security. So we giveth and we taketh away. So, you know, looking at that and saying, okay, how do I get the most out of social security? And I'll give you a very interesting sidebar is 
find a way to reduce the lifetime taxation on all of your income sources. See, if you can reduce your taxable income, and that's what Social Security is predicating their taxability on, if I can reduce or eliminate the taxation of my future income from my other sources, my Social Security becomes tax-free, and you get to keep 100% of what they pay you. So we've made it very efficient, and quite often that is much, much more powerful and much more cost-beneficial, greater, greater wealth from Social Security than trying to, you know, play a, a one-year waiting game or when you take the benefit. So, you know, that's important. And then, you know, running out of money, because we're doing this total income structure, the way we build the plan, you know, it's easy for us to say, okay, with the assets you have along with Social Security, this is what it looks like and gives you the projections out to age 90, you know, if the market does great, if it does average, if it does poorly. And then without Social Security, this is what those numbers look like. If you would like to talk more about Social Security with the team at WealthCare, stay tuned because we have contact info on the way. And as Bruce just told us, there's a lot to know. So if you have questions, then you can give them a call. And again, the number is coming up. Also on the way, the fear factor, the reason so many people are changing their retirement plans, are Treasury yields pointing to a recession, and the role artificial intelligence may play in boosting the U.S. economy. This is Get More Retirement. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns, while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial markets, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher-level planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the Wealth Care Team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Along with Bruce Smith of WealthCare, I'm Cheryl White. Hey, Bruce, medical experts you know say we should stay active as we age. Amen. And there's a woman, her name is Dorothy Hoffner. She lives in Chicago, and she's 104 years old. She's hoping to be certified as the oldest person ever to skydive. She mm-hmm. she does use a walker on the ground, but once she puts on a parachute, she jumps from the plane. She's done it before. She's been skydiving since she was 100. Now, this is a good article because you keep seeing these things about, you know, the oldest person to skydive, but most of them are doing double dives. They're doing dives with another skydiver where they're just strapped on and they're kind of along for the ride. Here, she's actually been the skydiving. So so she's going to leave this plane, you know, by herself. She's going to execute her maneuvers. She's going to pull the chute herself, land on the ground herself. Actually, I used to be a skydiver. So, I mean, I, I, I have experience in this area. I have, I have over 100 jumps. Really? Um, but, yeah. But That's it, impressive. Well, it was I was young and stupid, you know. <laughs> I've always wanted to do it. It no. it seems so terrifyingly exciting. Well, it's it it was you know I did it when I was in college and and you know we were just we were just insane. It was great. I like this because this is a legitimate claim. You know, mm-hmm. if, if she's 104 and wants to be certified as the oldest person to ever skydive, you know, if she's doing it herself, then she deserves that accolade. If somebody is 105 and hanging on an instructor doing an doing a, a tandem jump, you know, where they're just along for the ride, to me that shouldn't count. So, and I don't think it does. I don't know, but uh, but so this this was an exciting article to me. It is funny you have people that like her starting at age 100. Okay. 
we had a gentleman who, who came to us. Uh, we were skydiving. It's to learn and start skydiving. I'll never forget it. His name was Curtis T. Christian III. That was his name. <laughs> you know, and right away we looked at him and we're going, no, that's not going to work. You know, we got to come up with a better name. Spike, you know, oh, <laughs> and so perfect. his nickname was Spike, Sky God, you know, and it was great to have him in the group. To me, this is a very exciting article, and it's going to be a genuine accolade for her, and I wish her the best and many more happy jumps, you know. Well, and, and now she says there's something else that she's never done, so she's thinking about a hot air balloon ride next. I've never done that. I've never done now that. Now that, that one. Bruce Smith, I have done many times. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to be, participate in the hare and hound races with the hot air balloons. We chased one one time mm-hmm. till, it, till it got down, and, and uh, we followed. We, we didn't know it. We were actually, for a while, we were following the van, which was their ground crew. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, we, I've, I mean, I've, I've been there where they've launched them, watched them. I've chased them. But no, I, I'm feeling I, I kind of kind of big here right now that I've done something you haven't done. <laughs> so we're going to move on right now before okay. you top me again. Yeah. Uh, so I have found this this article this past week on Treasury yields. Mm-hmm. And it sounds kind of dry. I know. But it gets more interesting the deeper you go into this. Uh, Treasury yields have been at their highest since 2007, 2008, and the banking industry looks to be preparing for a recession with reserves at their highest level in 30 years. There seems to be a connection between the two. You know, when you look at bank reserves, and and banks reserve differently than than other financial entities, believe it or not, they're not the highest reserves. You know, there's actually higher reserves out there with other types of instruments. Their deposits are at record levels because of the higher interest rates. So monies that otherwise would have left the banking industry in search of higher rates, now people are concerned. You know, they're worried about the markets, the world economy. They're worried about war, things like that. So they are returning to banks now that there's a respectable rate. Not the best rate, but it's still a respectable mm-hmm. rate. So deposits are up. And as deposits are up in the bank, the reserves are up in a bank. So because of how the FDIC rules work. So are they getting ready for a recession? Obviously, the big question is going to be on the mortgage side of the house, mortgage foreclosures, mortgage failures, those types of things. I know there's been experts coming out in the last several weeks talking about, you know, we're not going to see another 2008 like we saw in the banking industry then with all the the bad mortgages that were out there. So I think it's kind of a mixed article. Because rates are high, you, you see the Treasury is selling record numbers, you know, of notes, which is good. They're raising the money. Banks are, their overnight rates are high. So there's a lot of things happening. Are they getting ready for a recession? I think people are being a little more conservative for pieces of their portfolio. So they've returned and there's opportunities of the banking industry for that piece of the pie, if you will. I don't know that it's as much a prep for recession. I think it's more diversification, quite frankly. But I think you may see a recession. You know, again, we, we've talked on the show. And, and that's what people, they're looking for the, the, the ultimate crystal ball, the ultimate prognosticator. You know, tell me when mm-hmm. this is going to happen. Well, you know, I, I saw one the other day. Oh, my God, it was so good. It said, basically, how come clairvoyants don't win all the lotteries? <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I, I was like, man, that's a really good question. You know, why, why aren't they? They can, they can see the future. Like, well, what are the numbers? Give me the numbers, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know. As, as you look at bond funds, for example, people that have, have purchased, you know, their 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and they're not really in individual bonds. They're in bond funds that have in themselves a collection of individual bonds. And, you know, what you're seeing is with these higher treasury notes, they're issuing a better rate now than, than bonds that are already mm-hmm. in that portfolio. And what happens with bonds is then if you have a lesser rate than what's available out there, let's say that they're issuing a five, but you have a four. To sell that 4% bond, you have to take a haircut. It'll be worth less than what the face Mm -hmm. value is. So as interest rates are higher in the market and what you own is less, then the value of that bond is less. Well, if you hold that bond to maturity, you still get your money. All right, so it's not a big deal. But if you're a bond fund or if you're a bond fund holder, Bond funds are required every day to value their entire portfolio. So today, Fed comes out with a higher rate on their newly issued bonds. Automatically, all those bonds in your portfolio that are less of a rate than that are now worth less money than they were yesterday. And you have to mark that price to the market, and then your bond fund share price will drop. A 1% increase in interest rates will typically drop a bond fund's value anywhere from 4 to 7%. 
So you go, wait a second, I, I, I got this thing for safety. What do you mean I'm losing this money? And, and that's very important. So when people say they own bonds, if you own a bond fund in a rising interest rate environment, you are going to see losses. You know, so it's not necessarily the best tool. There are better tools out there to utilize, and that's something we do with, with our strategy of including wealth protection, wealth preservation, and then active management for us for less than 50% of the portfolio. So we're using those other instruments that have great opportunities for growth. They don't have these erosion issues, and but they also have a, a large degree of wealth protection or preservation. So again, alternative strategies on how they build the portfolio with the best opportunity, as, as Warren Buffett says, more upside potential than downside potential. Mm -hmm. That's what you see. So you'd be very careful of owning bond funds in your portfolio, which is what most people do own in their retirement accounts and in their investment accounts. Good to know. We only have a couple of minutes left in this segment, Bruce, but I want to get to AI. You mentioned it at the top of the show. And Tom Hanks is saying that someone, a dental plan advertisement, used his AI face and voice. It wasn't him. And he doesn't endorse it. Gail King says somebody did the same with her likeness for weight loss products. So AI has a downside, but it also apparently has an upside because Janet Yellen is saying that the rapid development of AI could supercharge productivity and boost the economy. Tech is already a driving force for the economy, a big one, second only, I think, to healthcare. But I'm wondering, do we need to be careful about investing in tech? I mean, it seems like you could lose as big as you could win. Oh, yeah, there's no question. I mean, it, it, you know, last week we talked about gold on the show, you know, and, and you know, you say, okay, what, what kind of gold do you want? Do you want physical gold, gold cougarans? Do you want gold mining stock? You know, how do you, how do you want this? AI is the same thing. I mean, AI is everywhere you look. Everybody's touting AI. They're talking about AI. You know, what does the AI do? What does the company that developed this do? We saw, you know, like the, the, the explosion of chat GPT, that kind of stuff. Mm. It's there. There's no question it's going to affect us, but it's going to affect jobs. You know, it's going to affect. It will. Yes. You know, I mean, we have all these people looking and saying, I want to make money. I want to, you know, and they're like, you know, what is the skill that you have? What is the skill that you can do? The number of Monica goes shopping for clothes and, and we're closing the store. Why? Because they want you to buy online. You know, so was it last week we talked on the show or maybe I just saw this, that there's one store that was going back to actual cashiers. They were getting away from the self-checkouts. Oh, that was a new. Yeah, I saw that. So let's we'll see. We will. And there is much more ahead on Get More Retirement. For example, a crisis of confidence in the Social Security system. Uh, the shocker, shocker. Uh, I know. <laughs> the challenge of planning for the unknown and the unexpected downside of retirement. And by the way, if you'd like to continue the discussion on any of the topics on today's show, we'll let you know how you can reach out to Bruce and the team at WealthCare in just a moment as Get More Retirement continues. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your nest egg's financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies can help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for your retirement income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a fresh diagnosis. Because managing your wealth can be just as important as managing your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online. That's wealthcare.com. Steve Miller, Jet Airliner there, and this is Get More Retirement with Wealthcare's Bruce Smith. I just saw something. It just blew me away. Do you know how old Steve Miller is? No, I, I actually don't. He just celebrated his 80th birthday. There you go. I about, I about lost my mind when I heard that <laughs> one. I'm like, no! Yes, and we're going to talk in the next segment about aging 
and, uh, and how surprising it is to all of us, the things that happen as we get older. But right now, we're going to talk about Wall Street. And you were there. You were on Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there a whole lot. You know, it's 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 a it's a great place. You know, I mean, on the financial side of the world, I mean, I I was there for or book release for Create Wealth, Retain Wealth. We even had had a big uh, to do on the Nasdaq big screen in Times Square. That was kind of cool. That um, is cool. What's it really uh, like? Have you been in the the actual stock exchange? Oh yeah. Oh, many times. Yeah, yeah. I've I've talked. It's really weird because I've been there, and then there was probably a fifteen year uh, hiatus. I was there a fair amount when I was vice chairman of investors. And in those days, it was kind of like trading places. You know, if you saw scenes from that movie with Eddie Murphy, it was chaos. You know, when it was training, you had these, these the traders running around representing their individual stocks and everybody's screaming and bidding. And just it, it was it's a, it's a bid based market. You know, it was mm-hmm. crazy. Right. <laughs> so 15 years later, I get invited up to the exchange and I took Chris along our on staff CFP, Chris, Chris Easter, wonderful, super guy. It'd be great if you ever if you meet Chris, you're in love Chris but uh, all the way to New York I'm telling him get ready for this it's gonna be crazy you know like okay so of course you know post 9-11 and, and COVID and everything so we're you know we have to go through security we have metal detectors we have all these you know you can't have anything on your person you know all this stuff and we finally get into the exchange and uh, Maria Bartolomo was doing a thing for one of the financial channels so they do have like a a mini studio set up in the center of the exchange with the bright lights and all that then you could hear her talk Talking, you know, at a normal voice level, and we're walking around, and all you hear is just the whir of the computers. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world? And then, and of course, there's displays everywhere now. So there's the display for Ford or GM or, or Nabisco or whatever. And I'm just like, Holy cow, you know, and, and there are people nonchalantly walking around and they have the they have the blazer on that has what the stock is, but they're just kind of like, you know, hey, I'm going over here and check my text, you know. And it's like what happened? You know? <laughs> and, and it turns out that only 30% of the trades go through the exchange proper. 70% of them occur across the river in a giant building that is nothing but computers. Uh, yeah, so the exchange itself has changed. The American, the New York, uh, the NASDAQ, all of them are that way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, as computerized as it gets, there, it still comes down to, to feelings, attitudes, emotions, you know, it makes a big difference when you're trading. And CNN gauges emotions driving the stock market through what they call the fear and greed index. I mean, I know you've seen that. Yes. And as of the first week of October, the needle was in extreme fear. So I bring that back to you. Where did, is that fear coming from? God, there's so many things going on in our world. Obviously, the new things that have happened in Israel, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big trigger point. Just the overall financial markets, we've seen the market rise. You know, it's done well over the last year. People have made money. They're looking at their portfolios. And one thing is that people that have lost money in their portfolios are finally getting back to parity. They're getting back to saying, hey, I'm where I was before the last time it crashed. And when you get to that point, people, their fear factor goes up because they realize two things. One, I'm older. You know, whether it's months or years or decades, I'm older than the last time it happened. But then they come to this self-realization of I'm closer to retirement than I was. I'm older and I really don't want to go through that again, or I can't afford that kind of a loss at this point. I need to be in in the best possible position to grow my money because I can't predict the market. But we know the market's an ebb and flow type deal. If it's going up, eventually it's going to come down. If it goes down, eventually it's going to come up. When? Nobody knows that. What's the duration? Nobody knows that. I'm of the school where all of the past wives' tales of, you know, well, don't worry, it'll come back. You know, well, when will it come back in my lifetime? What if I'm taking income and I'm drawing down? You know, then will it, will, will it come back? Will it ever come back if I'm drawing money down? So there's just so many factors that are present today that we just talked about technology, you know. Uh, I mean, these things didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. You, the market did have a a reasonable understanding of ebb and flow and reasonable recovery rates. We are not in that position today. Um, with AI, with everything that's happening, you know, we can certainly see longer durations drops in the market. I've said many times on the, on the show in the last year or so that I don't think you're going to see double digit returns at the periodicity that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see more subdued returns. Well, that changes the estimation on 
what will my retirement account do in the future? So these are very real changes that are, have occurred in our marketplace. And, you know, applying some of the, quote, old rules doesn't make sense. I think, you know, more than ever, and this is what, you know, has made wealth care unique, and that is that, you know, you can look at the benefits of the portfolio management. And in our case, you know, again, we build a, a very unique portfolio because we follow, you know, Warren Buffett, which I think is great wisdom, of saying, look, you know, he said, if you have a portfolio that has greater upside potential than downside potential, his words, this will work about perfectly in helping your returns. And we have seen that time and time again prove itself out. Now, most people have no idea. They can't predict the upside and downside of their portfolio because it's totally unknown with the stock and bond portfolio they have. So if you add in wealth protection, which obviously is all upside, has no downside, and then wealth preservation, which has great upside opportunities, but you don't have near the loss potential and you don't see a dollar for dollar loss factor, you see a ratioed loss factor in a downturn. So if you build a portfolio greater than 50% out of those types of assets, then you have met his requirement of more upside potential than down. So I think that's important going forward for all retirement accounts. Even the value that that will create or can create over your lifetime, and even greater in most cases, if you save $500,000 or more for your retirement, the tax management by creating an, a strategy to reduce not only the taxes over your lifetime, but to eliminate RMDs over your lifetime where you keep control. There's no forced taxation income that you get from RMDs by reducing or eliminating the taxation on your Social Security during your lifetime and giving you access to 100% of the growth on that money, keeping it for yourself and not sharing it with the government. These are all things that come together to truly let you get the most value out of your retirement. That's what's key, regardless of the market conditions going forward. Well, you know, fear and emotions play a big part, Bruce, in the decision on when to take Social Security, too. You know, we can't help it. We have these thoughts in our head when things start to go wrong in the stock market or the economy in general. You know, we tend to think, wow, maybe we should retire early. Maybe, you know, I should take it at 62. I was going to go at 65. You know, there's all that thought that goes through your head about timing Social Security. And in this case, it's not necessarily about getting the most, but getting something. Because a lot of people right now, it appears, are worried that Social Security may run out of money, or at least their benefits may be reduced if there's a shortfall. So they're thinking, if I retire at 62, at least I'll get something. Two metrics that we feel will happen in Social Security. One is that, you know, the younger people will see eligibility occur at, uh, at a later age. I mean, I think there's any question about that one. And you're not just going to see your Social Security go from A to zero. I mean, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be A minus something. They're going to reduce the benefit if they need that for conserving capital over a period of time. And I think they will do it on a pro rata basis. So depending on age, you know, as to how much the, the decline will happen. Those are strategies that I think are, are preeminent as far as at the front of the pack for ideas of, of what they can do to, to resolve Social Security. In all of this, though, I mean, one thing that most financial gurus, most financial advisors, you know, are always talking about, do not let emotion rule the day. For us, everything we do is mathematically based. So if you look at the math, you say math has no emotion. And we look at worst case scenarios. We say, look, if we pull down Social Security, I don't say eliminate it, but maybe we pull down it by 40% or 50%. What does that look like for your portfolio? Now, if you've got a volatile portfolio or a, quote, acceptable risk, but in our case, we would see that as too much risk in many cases, you find that the volatility is just too dangerous if, in fact, they reduce Social Security. So what can you do to protect or preserve a significant portion of those assets to reduce that volatility exposure that you have more confidence in the assets that you've saved in case you need to draw on them at a faster rate because of the reduction of Social Security income, which I think is a more realistic scenario for people who are today or within, say, five to 10 years of retirement. For people that are 35 and doing retirement planning, it's a different story. 
you know, I think there you've really got to look at that savings accumulation and tax management during your lifetime to maximize that available nest egg because Social Security, in fact, may not be there or will not be available till you are 75 or 80, you know. So, again, it was always designed not to be the retirement asset. It was designed to be a supplement to other retirement assets uh, that people had. It wasn't meant to be a, something to solely live on. And that, that supplement certainly could be reduced. Bruce, where does managing taxes fall on your list of priorities when you're putting together a financial plan? Well, everything we're doing is integrated. I mean, there's 12 mm-hmm. different opportunities that we explore uh, for availability based on somebody's exact situation. And I will tell you now that like eight to nine of them are typically opportunities that are not being implemented, understood, explored, or used by most financial advisors. So this is more, you would see it in high-end planning, but you typically don't see it in retirement assets. So if you want to maximize your retirement, get more out of your retirement, without question, you must explore all of these different opportunities, or it's impossible to get the maximum. You're going to get some lesser amount. It's costing you money not to have these explored, because if they can bring additional capital to bear for your retirement or conserve more of your money or give you greater net returns you know, after taxes, tax management is a very big key. It affects, I think, six or seven of those opportunities. So if, you, if somebody says, we don't provide tax advice, you have just forfeited the, any value that can be created in those opportunities. That's one of the big reasons that people reach out to us at WealthCare. Well, if we didn't get to all of your questions today and you'd like to reach out to Bruce and the team at WealthCare, the number is 888-888-5601. If you didn't get it, don't worry. We'll give it to you again coming up. Also on the way, it's one of the biggest expenses in retirement. So why are so many retirees unprepared? And the things you never thought you'd miss. As Get More Retirement with WealthCare's Bruce Smith continues. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealth Care Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies could help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a consistent plan for income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a second opinion to help you manage your wealth just like you manage your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. It's a nice day for a white wedding. This is Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. You know, weddings are so expensive these days, Bruce, or or they can be. And uh, in India, they found a way to offset some of the costs. Some people are selling tickets to the wedding to tourists. So (laughs) you can actually buy a ticket to go to a wedding of people you have absolutely no acquaintance with just so you can experience it. Wow. I think that's very entrepreneurial. My question is, can we attend the the after affair when, whenever they, you know, anybody has something they want to say about the bride or groom? Or some <laughs> stranger, well, let me tell you something. You know. Well, tickets are about $250 if you want to go uh, to the two-day event because 
you know, Indian weddings are often multiple day activities. So I I thought that was so interesting, though, sort of a tourist experience now. Yeah, I mean, if you saw if the Big Bang Theory, when they had the images of it was kind of a fantasy thing that Raj and and Bernadette were doing this Indian wedding thing. And just it was everybody was dancing. It was wild and crazy. But I mean, we have a client. She was the international students person at Penn State and and had literally thousands of students over the years that, that were from different countries that you know worked with her and the one student they actually flew her to india for their wedding i think it was a thousand people at this wedding and they said we like our adopted mom to come up and she actually came up on a stage with them you know their usa mom you know mm-hmm. and i was like and she was telling us like how grand it was how wonderful it was like holy cow you know so in this life you know you can't take your money with you and you want to experience things I personally think this is an amazing experience. I think this would be something very, very cool mm-hmm. uh, to, to be part of and say you were there. You saw, here's what you saw. I mean, just all of the different things. And, and India knows how to throw a party. You know? Well, they're, 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 you yeah. know, I think you may not know anyone when you get there, but I'll bet you'll make some friends once you've Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I do, too. You know, we talked earlier in the show and and throughout the show, actually, about the things we learn and the things we don't know. And one thing we do know is that we get a little older every day. Maybe you do. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, What we don't know, though, is how this aging is going to impact our health. You know, some Mm -hmm. people seem to be 100 years old jumping out of planes and other people have, you know, a lot of health issues. But regardless, health care is likely to be one of our biggest expenses in retirement. We know that, but so many of us are not prepared for that. How much should we figure in realistically for healthcare when we're planning retirement expenses? Well, the first question becomes whether you're looking at 100% of it being paid out of pocket or whether you're going to be insured. That's a very, very big one. Now, one thing that we see, and this is experience-based, this is not a recommendation, we see so many people, like we'll people that come in there 50 years old or 55, and they're like, hey, I was offered a long-term care plan, and we both bought it from XYZ, from our company or where we work or whatever. And it's a group plan. It had great coverage, and the price was right. Hey, why not do this? And we look at it, and yeah, this makes all the sense in the world. And that's fine, you know, until they come in the door and they're 70, and they go, wow, I just got my renewal, and it jumped $3,000. You know, do I still want to keep paying this? What do I do? You know, and you have to kind of lay out the scenario of here's what it looks like. Now, typically, you know, in our minds, we kind of say, okay, I, so I have a debilitating health and it's almost linear. You know, it's like, okay, so I'm going to need assisted care for this period of time. Then I'm going to be and actually, you know, I'll be in complete care for a period of time. Then I'll die. So what's that going to cost? You know, it's more like you go somewhere, you have an event and you need rehab, so you're temporarily put into a care facility mm-hmm. for a short period of time, and then you come out, a couple of years goes by and something happens. So it, it's body, you know, it's not necessarily linear. If you have the insurance, you factor in the cost of the insurance and an escalation of that cost over time and say, here's what it costs. Or what we recommend to people quite often is, you know, the secondary is you can say, okay, I'm going to bear that total cost out of my assets. What does that look like? In today's world, the ratio is greater than one out of two. It's greater than 50%. So the chances of you needing this this type of care, of some kind of care that's going to cost you money, is going to happen to one of the two of you. Okay, it's going to happen. I mean, just there's no way around it. Can this drain the nest egg? Yes, it can. You could very well find a spouse being left with very little retirement assets that was drained because of healthcare. It's real, you know, and can you necessarily insure against that? Depending on what you save, maybe not. Maybe it's just a lump that you're going to have to take, you know, again, and that's what we see people that have less than 500,000 saved for retirement. There's just not a lot you can do. Okay. If you have significant assets, so you could bear the cost totally out of your account or You know, you can earmark a portion of that money and kind of move it to the side and say, okay, this is money I'm never going to touch. This is money that I want to go to my heirs. That's my goal. I'm not going to touch it. You can leverage that money. For example, say $100,000 for him and $100,000 for her and say, okay, I want to put this into an account. It's going to grow, but I'm not really that concerned with the growth. If I need it, $100,000 you put in may give you access to, let's say, $200,000 
if you need it for care benefit. And I don't say long-term care, meaning a facility. So this could be for home care, what have you. So essentially, you're paying 50 cents on the dollar for that care. So we set up accounts like that for people. Because here's one of the other problems. If you buy insurance for long-term care and you die and never used it, then it's like, geez, look at all that money I spent for insurance and I never got anything. Well, no, you had the coverage. You know, there was a cost factor, but the value you got was was Mm -hmm. coverage. The second part of, of depositing money into that type of an account is, but if I die, I want that money to still be there. And I want it to go to my kids and I want it to go to them tax free. And you can do that. So it may be an account that says, you know, here's $100,000. You have $160,000 that would go tax-free to your kids or $200,000 that you can tap dollar for dollar all the way down or very close to the bottom of it. So typically they leave a small reserve in there so they can bury you. So you can leverage what you have to minimize that cost because, in fact, yeah, it could be several hundred thousand dollars during the course of your retirement. That makes perfect sense. Well, you know, uh, Bruce, a lot of retirement planning is about finances and making sure that our money will last as long as we do. There's also the personal side to retirement. And Think Advisor has identified several things in that category. They're calling them retirement blind spots. You know, the kinds of things that you might not think about, like, oh, you know, healthcare is one. But another is social connections. Mm-hmm. And you you just think, oh, I'm going to be so glad I don't have to go to work every day. And then all of a sudden you kind of miss that. Well, I don't know about that. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's really a big deal. You said about the wedding, like you go to the wedding, you don't know anybody, but you're going to come back with some pretty interesting people. This is something, you know, as I get closer to retirement personally, and I share this with clients all the time. I shared with a couple this weekend, actually. You think about this is that most people... The way that the retirement happens or happens in their mind, unfortunately, happens in reality is typically, first of all, if you've got a married couple, you know, you're dealing with when they're both going to retire. And most of them want to retire in close proximity time-wise to each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that makes sense. So you don't have this as a singular shock. It's a double shock. So what happens is they're both retired and they wake up one day and they look at each other and he says, what do you want to do today? And she says, I don't know. What do you want to do today? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he says, I don't know. What do you want to do today? And imagine that happening every single day, day in and day out for months at a time. It would get old real fast. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the beauties of wealth care is we're going to give you wisdom, not just financial. We're going to tell you, here's what we've learned about the actual lifestyle of retirement. I never understood the villages in Florida. You know, people go down there to this kind of Sun City type setup where uh, I've got a house, I'm near the golf course, we've got, we can run our golf cart to Target or Walmart or whatever, and, and there's other things we can do. But the villages has over 5,000 hobbies, whether it be hot air ballooning, playing polo, motorcycling, having a Jeep, you know, flying a plane, swimming, scuba, you name it. So they have all these hobbies. And what's the success of that lifestyle is that he can pick a few things that he has as hobbies and develop a circle of friends. She can pick hobbies of hers, sewing, for example, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Cheryl told me about her sewing machine. And then there's things that they do together. But 100% of that burden is not looking each other in the eye every morning and saying, what do you want to do today? So the lifestyle thing becomes a very big deal because you had these work relationships. You know, like, for example, my background was nuke engineering before this. When I worked at Three Mile Island, you know, I had people I worked with, people I associated with, people I went out with sometimes. But we do the, like, the Christmas dance or whatever, the company Christmas party, and, and Monica would dress up. I'd dress up, and, and we would go, and there's my work friends, you know, or she'd have, you know, friends with me. We'd go do something with them. So, yeah, I mean, that that is very important, and it's something you do lose. I mean, you have the occasional get-together retiree party, you know, or monthly meal or something. That's not the same thing, you know, so. It's not. I have a friend who retired early and had spent her entire life raising her four children, Mm -hmm. and that was her purpose. And now they're grown, Mm -hmm. and she's struggling to find her purpose and meaning in retirement. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that happens, Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. We tell people all the time, we say, look, we can take care of the financial side of what you're looking for. We can give you confidence in what you need and what you're doing in retirement financially. But 
we've got to talk about the lifestyle. That's on you, mm-hmm. but it's something you cannot ignore. You know, we thank you for investing time working with us and being a partner with us. We enjoy that very much. But at the same time, you know, what about lifestyle? You know, what are, what are you doing to stay active? What are you involved in? My mother, I love my mother dearly, but my mom just flat won't get involved. And she lives in a small apartment. And uh, other than cooking for some of the people that live in that apartment complex, you know, and having a get together once in a while, that's it. She doesn't do anything else. It's like, mom, go to the senior center, go do hoagies, go on a bus trip, go do something. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very real, you know. And how real. exciting would it be when the next time you called your mother, she said, you're not going to believe what I did today. I would love to hear that. I would, <laughs> yeah. I would super love to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give the number, Bruce, uh, for you guys at WealthCare, because I think a lot of people after today's show will have questions and want to talk with you. And I- I'd love to. The number is 888-888-5601. And we really want to thank you for joining us. Forget more retirement with WealthCare's Bruce Smith. You know, we'll be back same time next week. So we hope you will join us then as well. And we hope you have a great week in between. Have a great week. We're looking forward to it. Take care. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the WealthCare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial market, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher level of planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Advisory services offered through the WealthCare Investment Center, a registered investment advisory firm. Insurance products and services offered through American Assets Financial Corp. and RIA Wealth Solutions LNC. The information contained in the material provided is for informational purposes only, and no statement contained here should constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Our program content is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. You should seek advice on legal and tax questions from an independent attorney or tax advisor. Our firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. This radio program is sponsored by the WealthCare Investment Center.